The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, today we're going to be talking about medical privacy, which is such a huge issue. And if people out there are listening like me and you've used, you know, you've been able to uh, reach the status that you you know, you don't have to pay uh, a copay or anything anymore, and you're trying to get everything done in that last month, like I'm doing, it's a little bit scary to think about our personal information and our personal uh, healthcare information and our medical privacy, all that stuff. And we have our wonderful guest who's been on our show several times. We love her. She is really the expert on healthcare privacy and medical privacy. We're going to be speaking in a moment again with Deborah C. Peel, MD. She's a physician. She's a psychiatrist, and she is the founder and president of Patient Privacy Rights, the world's leading health privacy advocacy organization with 15,000 e-members in all 50 states. She also leads the Bipartisan Coalition for Patient Privacy, which represents 50 organizations with 10.5 million members, including Gun Odors of America and the ACLU. She has tremendous work on privacy. Her work grew from her experience in the most privacy-sensitive specialty in medicine, which is psychiatry. She saw the need for a national organization to defend individuals' human and civil rights with regard to healthcare privacy. And patient privacy rights promotes realistic, trustworthy technology solutions that enable you to reap the benefits of having big data and research and helping to find cures for things while still keeping your medical privacy and all the medical data about you private. So I could talk more and more about her and all the great work she's done, but I really want to get her on to talk with us. And you can go to patientprivacyrights.org, and you can also go to privacypiracy.org, and we link directly to her website. You'll see a picture of this beautiful woman. You'll see more about her bio, and, um, and we're just thrilled every time she comes back because we honor all the great work that she's doing in medical privacy. So, Deborah, thank you so much for joining us from Texas. Oh, you're so welcome, Mari. Uh, what a lovely, <laughs> over-the-top uh, introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, we really appreciate all the work that you're doing. So 
let's talk, first of all, for my uh, audience who really yeah. hasn't remembered or doesn't know, I mean, okay. they, they sign HIPAA, you know, yeah. releases, but they, they don't necessarily know what that means. They think that's going to protect their privacy. And uh, we know that that isn't the case, right? <laughs> That's ex- exactly right. No, it's actually kind of a bait and switch. the The HIPAA privacy the the HIPAA 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 privacy rules aren't actually about privacy. In fact, HIPAA the um, the letters stand for Health Information Portability and Accountability Act. There's no privacy in the <laughs> right. in the law, you know. Um, but people always you know, always uh, imagine that it, that it is. And, um, and actually, the bait and switch is you sign what's known as a privacy notice, which again makes you think, oh, okay, what, whatever you imagine about privacy, you know, like that it's, it's under your control and no one's going to see it because just that's what the word privacy, you know, implies, you know, yeah. causes to imagine. Um, but actually, it's a notice. The notice actually tells you the different ways your health data will be shared and disclosed endlessly for many, many purposes that, uh, you know, essentially have created a giant hidden industry in the United States. It's a health data broker industry, and they, you know, most people that get your data sell it. The hospitals sell it. Pharmacies sell prescription data every day all the all the prescriptions in the united states are sold um, most of the health insurance companies sell your data medicare and medicaid the federal government actually gives away databases of medicare and medicaid patients to anyone that claims to be a researcher mm. uh, we we actually have 1.2 million health data brokers in the united states Oof. 1.2 million. And uh, so we actually can't do anything to keep our information from being sold endlessly. And, and uh, the largest health data broker in the world is in the United States. It's called IQVIA, all those four letters, IQVIA. And, um, you know, and if you go to their website and look at their infographics, you'll see that they have daily updated longitudinal profiles of 530 million people and, and they and they collect everything social media data claims uh, all kinds of information to update profiles on you that they then sell to drug companies and uh, 5,000 customers including the United States government so there's no health privacy in this country uh, unless you see a doctor um, who keeps paper records and you pay cash, and they're willing to do that. So, it's very, very disturbing. It's very unfair. And there are plenty of people who, when they can, leave the country to get help, either Canada or Mexico, where they, you know, they're pretty sure their records will not get back and, and be used to discriminate against them in jobs, employment, credit, Right. All the rest. We're we're actually the most heavily heavily spied on, and and uh, this data is the most uh, valuable about us, you know, compared to anything else. Health data is the most valuable, and so we're really the most, uh, you know, in very precarious situation because this we know this information 
is used to discriminate against people. So if we go to IQVIA, can we get a copy of our profile? Um, supposedly, you can ask them uh, to show you what they have. They used to. This, the company just uh, merged with another. It used to be called Quintiles IMS. Okay. Um, and, they're, and supposedly, they would let you see at least some of what they have about you. But in order to get your information, ironically, of course, you have to give them more personal information to right. prove it's you. <laughs> Uh, Well, that's just like uh, even with the credit bureaus, you have to give them the same kind of thing. But I would think that they're subject to the Fair Credit Reporting Act because they're collecting profiles about you and dossiers about you that you should be able to get a copy of that profile report. You would think so. You would think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but people, you know, I'm giving you a name of a company no one's ever heard of. Right, right. company. You know, it's huge. And, and all the other 1.2 million, you know, how, there's no way to even find them because once your information is disclosed, you know, the law, the HIPAA, the HIPAA statute uh, and, the, and the regulations that, you know, that made it operational allow your data to be handed off endlessly with no track record. No way to know how many times it's been disclosed or sold or to whom. So that's one of our big problems in this nation. We have no map of all the thousands or millions of places that your personal health information goes. We have no map. And Deborah, and how many times are there errors? I mean... I, well, yeah, of that's that's the real scary All stuff for me. I mean, that's happened to me. No, I, the errors are going to be yeah. there, particularly in the in with um, electronic health records, because the doctors don't the the younger doctors no longer feel that those records are really theirs to keep and to reconcile. Uh, they they think of them as um, hospital. Uh, many doctors that practice in hospitals they they think that the hospital is going to take care of the records. And even if that person is your physician, they're not going to reconcile all of the different information to make sure that, that it's all correct. So no one in this, in this system of electronic records anymore really feels the need to be the one to go through all these different pieces of you and make sure that they're accurate or make sense. So, yes, everyone's record is really... Uh, very, very iffy, which is one of the reasons that the, the keeper of the record should be you. And everyone should be asking, because it's your right, to get copies of your health records from anyone you see. You know, any doctors, hospitals, clinics, wherever you go, they are required to give you an electronic copy or, uh, you know, in any form on a disc or uh, by email or whatever, they're required to give it to you for either almost no cost uh, or for, or you know, a very, I mean, either for Minimal, no cost yeah. or a very tiny cost. They're not allowed to charge you, and so you should be able to get it. Uh, but people, um, another reason to ask for it, besides needing to check and make sure that it's accurate, is many times doctors are now changing electronic health records and they don't keep them. I find I found that out with a member of my family who uh, who had uh, seen uh, 
uh, gynecologist and went back uh, three years later and the electronic records weren't there. And important information had to be tracked down in Atlanta. And it wasn't even in the doctor's office anymore. So you know, got to be careful. Yeah, I know. Because the, the records can absolutely disappear. So that's another reason you should try to get them. You know, the same thing happened just with my husband. He has to get um, cataract surgery now. Mm -hmm. And several years ago, I don't know, like 15 years ago or less, he had uh, LASIK surgery. So when you do that, you know, they need to know uh, what your, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the way it was done so that they can measure correctly something. You know, I'm not sure what it is, but it's something so that they can do the correct cataract. And, Absolutely. And, and we didn't have it, and we went back to the doctor who did it, and he didn't have the records anymore. So no, now they don't care for now, it anymore. And so now we have to, he has to spend an additional $500 so that they put this other kind of lens in that, uh, that Medicare and or any of mm-hmm. his Blue Shield won't pay for. So, no, I mean, it, 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 it would have saved us. It's actually atrocious. Yeah, you know, people is. think that technology in, in healthcare has been so great, but uh, there's, a, there's a pediatric neurosurgeon in Austin where I live who, who retired from practice, and so she, you know, she notified all of her patients to come in and, uh, you know, and, and to say, farewell and so forth and give them her records and urge them to go, you know, collect their old records from from surgery they had on their brains, right. you know, when they were children. And many of them found that there were no records of the procedures anymore because they'd been deleted, the systems had changed, nobody had kept copies. I mean, it's terrifying if your doctors don't know in an important area like the brain what was done to you. And so, uh, you know, we are, we're, in a, we're in a world of trouble now without having, um, you know, our own copies of these records. And you should ask every time you go to get a digital copy, and it's supposed to be provided to you in a form you want, like on a disc or through the email or you know, um, yeah, and if all and, fails, they should just print it out for you if you if you ask. Right, and then if they if they do that, you can always scan it and keep keep sure. it in a you know in a sure. file, which really brings back to the point that you need to keep it and you need to keep it in an encrypted file on your computer in a backup for yeah. you because I I also had a similar thing I had years ago I had um, these ice pick headaches that that they came out of nowhere. And um, so the neurologist, I called to get the records, you know, when I realized I should have yeah. those yeah. and because um, I needed to get another uh, brain, uh, like an EEG. And yeah. the doctor said, well, did you, you know, did you have anything done? I said, yeah, I had a CAT scan, an EEG. They told me it was a, a just a, a nerve dying. Okay. So, but he uh-huh. said, well, we should look at that. So I couldn't get it. They didn't have it. And I never had it because people didn't think about getting that from their doctor. And, and those were, that was years ago, you know, before I really thought about these kinds of things. So you're, you're absolutely right. We need to keep these things. We need to put it in a very uh, careful place that we know that we can get it and have it in backup and be able to show it to doctors. But I think the hard part is when you do find an error, to try and fix it is 
it's impossible, right? Oh, absolutely, because first of all, you don't know all of the places where the record has gone. You know, so even if you knew that the record was gone from or was wrong or incorrect at a particular hospital or doctor's office or clinic, I guarantee you those records have been sold, uh, you know, and traded and sent to, you know, all kinds of other places that you don't even know about. And of course, most of them are not going to be places that treat you, but you, you won't necessarily know all the places that the records go to be able to correct them. So it's important that you have correct copies. And I have to tell you, having spent a lot of time in Washington talking to these, you know, giant corporations that are, that are, uh, you know, now running the healthcare system as opposed to uh, the kind of partnership between the physicians and patients that used to exist, um, they really, they really aren't worried about, about the correctness of your data or, figuring out who's going to reconcile all the differences and correct the errors. You know, it's, uh. it's, it's very, very difficult. So you really, you know, particularly if somebody in your family has any kind of condition that's, um, you know, that's been, you know, lasting over time, chronic condition or some kind of um, unusual injury or need for, uh, you know, some kind of operation, you should very carefully collect all those records, because if something happens later, it's very important for the surgeon to see the operative notes of the person that operated earlier. Uh. Very important. And to see which anesthetics were given, that sort of thing. And that's not in chart summaries. It's not in the summary record. So there's very specific records and tests that you need to collect. Mm. You need to collect just to protect yourself and your family's futures. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you this. This it gets scarier and scarier because yeah. we um, we just there's so much being collected. You and I have talked about this so many yeah. times. About Absolutely. there's so much information being collected about us all over the place, and it's you know we don't have one place that we can look, and we don't have a way to correct it. And you know, I mean, the Fair Credit Reporting Act at least. It's not great, and there's all sorts of errors in in our credit reports, but at least we have access, at least we can correct, or we can attempt to correct, and even that's a hassle, but we have that, and that is what we should have in our medical records, a way to review it in one place, and a way to correct it, and I guess if we have our own personal records, at least we can see it, but a lot of times... The things that are written, we don't even understand what these doctors are writing. That's another thing, right? Well, collect them anyway, yes. <laughs> collect them anyway, you know. And um, I'm sure uh, there will there be, be services that will develop that will help you translate them and, yeah. uh, into uh, English or, or, you know, Spanish or whatever <laughs> the language is. You know, but, but, yeah, I mean, get them whether you can understand it or not, and, because if you can't, your next doctor will be able to understand it and decode it for you. Yeah. So, so that's really important. Uh, but there is, there is no single place that has the correct longitudinal record uh, for you, and you are really the only one who can get it yeah. from every place you go. Right. And uh, at, at either zero or low cost. So that's, yeah. that's important to do. So, yeah, so I want to say this again, what what Dr. Peel is saying, Deborah is saying, 
whenever you go to the doctor before you leave, ask for those medical records. Just ask, ask for, for it. your electronic copy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Important. So, you know, I know that you are fighting so hard for privacy in this digital yes. age. And yes. I know that you have some something exciting coming up, a whole privacy campaign. Would you we talk do. about that? I would, I would love to. All of these years, we've been working from the principle that your data is you. It is you in this digital age, and you should control it. So we're going to be doing something I think your listeners will be really excited about. We're going to conduct a major uh, privacy campaign in Austin, Texas in the spring. It's going to be called Privacy Rules with an exclamation mark. And what we're going to do is test out on, you know, Austinites, uh, what, you know, what grabs them most, uh, what what. What bothers them most about the elimination of privacy? Is it, is it companies like Equifax that breach uh, 143 million people's <laughs> privacy? Is it, is it social security numbers? Is it health data, mm-hmm. which I think is very sensitive to many people? We want to find out what matters most to you, and then we can come together. We're aiming to get in the next year a million people to, to join with us to put pressure on companies and and the government that don't protect our privacy. So this will be the first ever campaign. It's about educating people about privacy and the lack of privacy, seeing what matters to them, and formulating how we can join together, all of us, to put heat on these companies that are creating so much damage. Yep. So much damage to us. And so we're very excited about it. It's never been done. And, um, and any, you know, we could use everyone's help. Uh, you know, you can give us any kind of donation, $5, $2 on our website. But if you care about privacy, we'd love for you to help be a part of this campaign, and we'll keep you informed about the results. There will be a big conference in Austin next summer and we'll unveil the results and when we know what helps people understand and what motivates them what we can do together to take back our privacy uh, then we're going to roll it out across the nation and across the world because privacy everyone around the world is getting uh, is having some degrees or even more uh, surveillance and data collection than we have Right. It's 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 threatening. It's threatening. It's this is this is not overly dramatic. It's a massive threat to democracy Absolutely. when governments and corporations know everything about you. And the people that talk about the deep state manipulating things, you know who that is? That's Google. Yeah. That's Facebook. Right. That's the business model of Silicon Valley. Right. They're the ones that are using this without our knowledge, without our consent to do things to us without our knowledge, you know, when right. you don't get when you don't get that job interview, why was it? Uh, when you get canceled from, you know, your credit, uh, you know, your, your mortgage or something, you know, right. some loan that you want, you're not going to know if it's because they think you have the gene for Alzheimer's. Right, right. I mean, it's really terrible. Genetic data is being sold by all of the genetic testing companies except for one. I mean, the interesting thing is this year at our 
seventh international summit on the future of health privacy. And by the way, it's for the public, it's free, and the videos of all of our summits are up on our website. You can look and see what's going on. Well, let's just um, say your website right now so people are, yeah, it's patientprivacyrights.org. That's patientprivacyrights.org. So make yeah, sure, yeah. Plural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you, can, you can see what's going on there in the United States and in the world with important privacy issues. And so the problems with the Internet, uh, the problems with websites, the problems with everyone collecting your data from apps, cell phones selling your data, the flashlight apps sell your data, all of that, we need global, we need global solutions to this. And so we are going to be focusing not just on healthcare but on all personal data because every bit of it reveals so much about you. Right. Think about it. Just everywhere you go, who you talk to, who you associate with, who you tweet, who you instant message, who you call, I mean, they know everything about where you are at all times. And, and we can't you know, be hermits. It's incredibly revealing, incredibly and, revealing. And, and, and it's Deborah, not fair. Deborah, yeah. we can't become hermits. <laughs> no, it's That's impossible. the challenge. You no, know, we're we're trapped. That's why we really need this privacy campaign. Right. And we need to get find ways to drive change. So one right. of the things that we're we learned this year is that companies want to compete based on privacy. Right. As I, as I was saying, there's a, as a value company. added. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's one that doesn't sell any patient genetics, the rest of them do. Virtually all the health insurers sell data. You know, who would who would get a health insurance company that didn't sell your data? I would. Yeah. Uh, you know, people would pay for this. And it's an advantage not to have all of this intimate stuff sold about you to really any willing buyer. And And you should know that there's an exemption for getting, you know, health data of everyone uh, free if you're, quote, a researcher. But yeah. the law doesn't define who a researcher is. So a researcher can be Coca-Cola uh, or Merck, you know, a uh, company that, that makes yeah. pharmaceuticals. Or, right. you know, it can be, you know, the NSA. Uh, uh, it could be the FBI. I mean, anyone, any, any entity can pretty much say, I'm a researcher, I want to buy that data, or I want to acquire that data. And so there are so many loopholes. We have got to, we've got to, get a map of all of our data flows. We've got to have accountability and transparency. But most of all, we have to control this information yeah. ourselves, ourselves. Right. And share, share with our doctors that we trust and not with thousands and millions of hidden data brokers. So, right, right. Um, and, and, you know, I'm wondering, does, does Medicare also sell data? Oh, the, the, the government, it's, it's actually horrifying. The government has a whole bureau to dispense um, various health databases on Medicaid patients, on Medicare patients, the whole bit. And the problem with these databases is, you know, even though they're supposedly some of them are aggregated, uh, it's very possible to identify many people. If you get a database on all the Medicaid patients in Texas, yeah, I mean it's not going to be that hard to re-identify them. Right. So when they say it's anonymous, it's not. But gosh, no, that's very important. <laughs> Everyone listening should understand 
They can tell you it's anonymous. They can tell you it's de-identified. They can tell you that there's no way anyone can figure it out. But that's wrong. That's, uh. It's just wrong. It's, there's too much information out there about us. That they could put it to together. Match. Yeah, they yeah, can They yeah. can just put it together. But believe yep. it or not, Deborah, as mm-hmm. always, we could go on for hours, but we can't. We have to end. <laughs> and so I just, I want to definitely have you back before the summer so we oh, can sure. talk about what you learned when you did, you know, in the spring. We're when so excited. We're, yes, we're, we're trying to start it soon. You know, we've we've raised the first fifty thousand. It's going to take um, it's going to take about another three hundred thousand to cover the you know this whole population of two point five million people and really find out the answers, really test the answers, and test the ways of reaching people. So, anything that you can donate would be a huge help and. And we'll keep you posted if you donate. Yeah. And so um, go to patientprivacyrights.org. You can find out what they're doing. If you feel like donating, you can do that. And we are just out of time. So again, Patient Privacy Rights and our wonderful Dr. Dr. Deborah C. Peel. She's a medical doctor. Thanks for all the great work you do. And we will keep in touch. So happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too, Mari. Okay, bye bye. You've been Thank listening. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.